0: Welcome, everybody, to the Cleared Off the Line podcast for soccer fans and soccer players alike. I'm Forrest Tucker. And I'm Terry Craig. Let's get right to it. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We've been away for a while, but we're happy that you guys are back with us for Season 2, Episode 2. You have a bit of a sad topic to start off today's taping with. So, Terry, take us away, please. Yeah, unfortunately, basketball legend
1: and big soccer fan Kobe Bryant recently tragically passed away in a helicopter incident. And it really has just been a sad time for sports. Uh, As I mentioned before, basketball legend, one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And many soccer athletes were paying tribute to him. Uh, Neymar, when he scored his goal recently Put up the 2-4 sign in front of the fans After scoring a goal To tribute a mentor to him A guy that he's met before And Kobe was a big AC Milan fan I know AC Milan did a little tribute to to him Wearing black armbands and whatnot But it's it's really just been a sad couple of days For sports fans Uh, Forrest, do you have any A few words that you'd like to say about Kobe And how just The impact that he's had on soccer And just sports in general
0: yeah I think Kobe when uh soccer wasn't really something that was cool in the U.S. he was always championing it and that's really awesome uh like you said a lot of players like Anselm Griezmann as well um the U.S. Women's National Team and Kylian Mbappe all um knew Kobe all had relationships with Kobe and they were very sad just as we were when he passed um he met people like Ronaldinho as well there's a Pretty famous picture of them both sitting together, and so that's really cool when uh, soccer and basketball collide. They're two global sports, and so it's really it's really um, interesting to see that. The AC Milan um, tribute was really poignant. They the fans even made a sign um, for Kobe and his daughter Gianna, which was really nice, and it's really cool. Kobe's attachment to Italy is really nice too because he played soccer well, when he lived in Italy with his parents at a young age. So we're very sad that he's gone, man. Any any, any other stuff about Kobe you want to talk about today? overall he was
1: just a great player great man great man off the uh, court trying to really just do his best to raise young men raise young basketball players I know his um, daughter was a really good basketball player I know the UConn's women basketball team uh, had a little tribute for
0: her but overall just a sad day for sports yeah definitely definitely as AC Milan said sempre Kobe now Terry On to some other topics. The FA Cup fourth round is going on at the moment. A lot of games have been played already, but as uh, happens in some club competitions, replays go on. But first, I'd like to recap what happened uh, and what is set in stone for the fifth round. So, Terry, would you recap some notable results results for us from that round?
1: Some notable results from that round is Manchester United beat Tranmere 6-0. Arsenal beat Bournemouth 2-1, Chelsea beat Hull City 2-1, and Liverpool surprisingly drew Shrewsbury 2-2, and also Man City beat Fulham 4-0. So
0: Forrest, do you have any takeaways from any of these matches that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think that it's interesting that there are six replays, including Liverpool versus Shrewsbury Town match, and then Southampton versus Spurs. Spurs and Southampton, I don't. I forget if you mentioned Terry, they drew, and uh, I think that those are really intriguing. We'll talk about those later, um, but the re- those replays of those six will be played on the 4th and 5th of February, so pretty soon. Um, also, another a notable thing that I'd like to put in there is that West Bromwich Albion beat West Ham United 1-0 and I think that's interesting most people would say it's not but West Ham is having a terrible season and they're in a relegation battle now and the FA Cup doesn't go their way too and West Brom is a contender to get promoted so interesting to see a lower league team in the championship knock off West Ham but really I'd like to get into that Arsenal game that you mentioned because I really loved Bukayo Saka's goal on six minutes in that game down in Bournemouth what did you think about it? Yeah, the
1: goal was really beautiful. I was pretty impressed with this Arsenal side. It was a pretty young side, I'd say. Uh, Mikel Arteta has been committed to starting uh, Gabriel Martinelli, a guy who— Very committed, yeah. Yeah, very committed, a guy that's been praised by Ronaldinho recently as one of Brazil's future great players, which is good for me as an Arsenal fan. I love to hear that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, Bukayo Saka is a really good player. He's been playing as a left back. Because we're short-handed at that position right now, but uh, he's making an impact, and I hope Mikel Arteta is really committed to playing the young guys because the young guys have a lot to prove. Joe Willock as well, another one playing in midfield. Not sure if Mesut Ozil will stick around in Arsenal as long as Joe Willock's there. But uh, did you have any
0: takeaways from the Arsenal match? I think, uh, like I said, Saka's goal was really nice. It was a young Arsenal team, as is typical of Arteta lately. Um, I liked how they. Put this game away in the first half um, by Nketiah's goal as well, around 27 minutes. I thought that for them, getting in front early was a really, really big breakthrough. And the Bournemouth team that they played was a team that you would see on a Sunday or Saturday playing Premier League football. Exactly. So really good um, for them. Eddie Howe's a great manager, organizes his team well. Bournemouth are doing that well this season in the Premier League. But I will say that Arsenal, that was a pretty impressive Arsenal result and probably one of the most impressive that I've seen under Arteta yet can he replicate it though? I think he can if he just keeps um, playing Martinelli. Um, but I think—do you think that Saka being filling in at left back now? Do you think that he could possibly play in other positions? Because that goal he scored was a really, really screamer, to be
1: honest. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's a natural winger. He's only playing left back because we're short-handed, and I feel like. A lot of the young guys on the Arsenal team are playing out of position, like uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is currently playing as a right back. Well, we recently signed Cedric Suarez from Southampton, so that might change. He might go back to his natural position in midfield. But overall, the young guys are doing well. Uh, Do you think Arteta Arteta should still play the young boys in the side?
0: I think so. It's worked out for them uh, decently. I just, you know, with guys like those who are older that might leave, I think it makes perfect sense. Um, I just think if if you want to um, have a team of success in the Premier League, I think Manchester United is going through it now as well. You have to find young players to play. Um, but the question is, are they always going to be ready enough? And I think I've said this to you before, I think Arsenal has a lot of great gems, but they just don't have the structure yet. So I hope Arteta can bring that to them because it will be very entertaining. Now, on to the game that everybody is talking about Um Whether it's the game that was just played or the replay, Liverpool versus Shrewsbury Town, who Shrewsbury Town are sixteenth in League One, which is the third tier of English football, if you did not know. I must say, Terry, the highlights are very, very um, like just entertaining flat out. Did you get a chance to take in some of this game? I did. I saw a couple of goals. Pretty interesting
1: game. I was kind of surprised by Liverpool. I mean, regardless of them playing a young side guys that we really don't know much about, you still expect Liverpool to take it home, but I was quite surprised and pretty impressed with Shrewsbury Town. Jason Cummings scored both goals. Pretty impressed with them. Came uh, on as a sub, too, Jason Cummings. Yeah, super sub, super sub. Do you have any uh, takeaways from it that
0: you like to mention? I will agree with you that Liverpool surprised me. Um, one bright spot for them was Minamino um, played very well to me, and that was the first time I'd ever seen him play, period. Yeah, so that was good. Um, good for him to get a run in the U23s. Um, you know, that back line for the Reds made some mistakes that I thought uh, were probably just characteristic of the U23 team. The mm-hmm. first team probably didn't make those mistakes. But on the kind of same trajectory as that, Jason Cummings, like you mentioned, two goals in the second half, Callum Lang and Sean Wally, they're two other front players making an impact for Shrewsbury, could prove to be difference makers when this tie goes to Anfield um, on, the, uh, on uh, that replay but from what we thought about earlier, earlier, Terry, the hardest job of this might be just completed for Liverpool. You know what I mean? They might have just done their hardest bit in this in this tie. I really did.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Shrewsbury probably were in over their head in this first match. They, I wouldn't say lucky. I mean, they did what they had to do, play as hard as they could. And I feel like Klopp in the next, in the replay, probably will incorporate some of the more experienced players just to take it home. I don't think Shrewsbury is going to be able to get a result at Anfield. What do you think? How do you think the next leg is going to go or replay will go?
0: Well, I don't – I think that it would be a stretch if Klopp actually put some first-team players in because he said that uh, since the first-team players who play in the Premier League are going to be on break because of the mandated Premier League break, that he'll have the U23s and the U23s coach play. So I don't know if he's going to touch that at all, to be fair. Okay. The reports coming out of Anfield say that he's not – so I think the question is, does Klopp have to spend time with his U23s uh, to get them ready for this? But I would assume that he trusts his U23 coach to handle it. Because yeah. they've
1: been put on the spot a lot over the course of the season. I remember uh, when scheduling was getting real tight with the Club World yes, Cup, we about and that I before. think the League Cup, the U23s had to go out and play a game for technically as the first team. So I, I trust this group of players. I think that they're going to go out and defeat Shrewsbury at Anfield. I can't bet against Liverpool at Anfield.
0: No, I can't. I uh, I'm looking for Harvey Barnes to make an impact, or not Harvey Barnes. Excuse me. He played for Leicester. Harvey Elliott, the young kid um, with the long hair for Liverpool. I really think that this kid, for all um, the hype that he uh, had coming from Fulham, could uh, you know should make his mark in these games. It should be games to capitalize on because he's a kid that probably wants to eye that first team real soon. Uh, other important thing is that. Uh, Shrewsbury Town Football Club gets a lot of money because of this replay. And that's a really, really big deal. Good for them. Um, it is good for them. Really great that they can um, be able to buy new video analysis equipment among some other things. To end off on this, Terry, do you think Shrewsbury will come out very aggressive or do you think they'll sit back and let Liverpool kind of just play their game next next time they, they play for the replay? At this point, honestly,
1: what do they have to lose? I mean, they're Shrewsbury exactly. Town. I mean... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. A few days ago, I didn't know who Shrewsbury Town was. I mean, why not go out? I mean, this is probably going to be one of the biggest games that any player on Shrewsbury Town plays in their career, so why not go for it? I don't see why, why wouldn't they?
0: Exactly, exactly. Now, moving on, we have a match also very intriguing with a replay, Southampton versus Spurs. Saints traveling up to North London for the replay. This is the second round in a row that Spurs have hosted a replay, Terry. I think, did you think that they had that, that game in the bag? Because I thought they did until Bufal scored that goal in the 87th minute during the first game of this tie. Well, let me say something about both
1: teams. I'm looking at the lineups, and they both put out really strong sides. Yes, they and did. And if you look at some of the Matt stats, Southampton really owned possession, so it doesn't really surprise me. They did me have a the majority. Bufall. They had over 60%, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that Bufal ended up getting the goal at the end. I think Spurs
0: just kind of let off and. Spurs and Southampton took advantage of it yeah I I would say that Bufal goes lazy Bufal goal was lazy defending by Spurs because honestly he was wide open on the on the 18-6 he was in that area beyond the D and it was it was as simple as it happened for him he just had to pick his spot uh so we've criticized um or not we've but people in general have criticized Spurs Back four in the past. They have to fine-tune that up. Um, but I think this game is going to be very tight because when I look at the last five meetings of these teams, there has been there has not been a tie in the last five meetings except for, for this game. So for the last couple games, they have had um, either a win or a loss. And th- I think that – this is just this an outlier. It's weird. Uh, but I think that Saints might beat Spurs. Um, you think this, so? Yeah, I think they will. Well, the Saints, Saints beat Spurs 1-0 on New Year's Day and then beat Leicester – in January as well, this month. So I, they're on the come-up with Danny Ings as well. Do you think he scores a few if he plays in the FA Cup for this replay?
1: Well, we're going to get into both these teams a lot more later, but I will say Danny Ings is in goal-scoring form, and I I wouldn't doubt that he scores one. And Tottenham, they don't have an out-and-out striker. I mean, Harry Kane's still hurt. I know that they signed Steven Bergvon from PSV, but he's still a winger. So, yeah, still yeah. a winger, so... I don't know who's, where the goals will come from Tottenham, but I still think Tottenham will probably win. I mean, I can't bet against Young Son, and it will be at that new stadium. So,
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't really know if that new stadium does too much for them. If this tie were home to Southampton, I think the fans would be coming out and would be crazy, crazy um, into it. But it looks like we're in disagreement about who wins this game, but we'll, we will see. So we said we are going to talk about Southampton Earlier, We're going to talk more about them now because we're sticking in England with the EPL table. What are you seeing right there, Terry? Well, Southampton, they
1: are in good goal-scoring form. Danny Ings is a guy that's really found for him. I think he's able to score a lot of goals. But one thing that's going against them so far is that they have the most losses in the top half. So Really? It, yeah, so... It's if a they, surprise.
0: they are in the top half, actually. To yeah, me. that's They're that ninth true. on
1: thirty-one points. Yeah, they're a team that, oh, the past couple of seasons have been fighting relegation battles. So the fact that they're ninth in the table right now is pretty
0: surprising. It is tight in that middle of the table, um, from fourth to fourteenth, Terry, separated by ten points. That's kind of our topic for this segment: is that it is very tight, and I think as a whole, this season the Premier League has been very tight. Um, so, in my opinion. Um, it just it seems like some teams are going to stay where they are like Chelsea and some teams are going to move up by a little bit. What are you seeing as far as movement that we could expect until the end of the season?
1: Uh well, I will say this from 4th to 14th is separated by 10 points. So there's probably going to be a lot of movement. And 5th to 14th is only separated by 4. But
0: that's even that's even Yeah, that's a even more shocking closer. fact, yeah.
1: Yeah, so there are a lot of reasons for and for against teams being able to finish 4th. Or end up being 14th. As for Chelsea, some positives on them is that they've proven that they're able to win big games and yes. they have loads of talent from Tammy Abraham, Christian Pulisic. If he gets, if he plays, if
0: like yeah, Kalidjanoglu too. Yeah. yeah.
1: And some negatives for them is that they struggle away from home and their mentality. They struggle with their mentality against uh, inferior teams. I feel like that they should be able to beat some more inferior teams than what they're than what they're doing so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for Chelsea they stay in that four spot. Um, the five spot, the Europa League spot, is what I think gets tricky. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna say Man United will hold on to that wholeheartedly. Wolves could make a run for that again. Um, we'll see how Spurs do. I think if Spurs get knocked out of this FA Cup by Southampton, then they must concentrate wholeheartedly on getting into the Europa League because. Jose Mourinho is going to, you know, I think that that side's not ready for a Champions League um, after the season they've had. I think they need Europa League. Yeah. So we'll see about that. Um, we're looking at teams, you know, otherwise, such as Sheffield United, Southampton, Arsenal. You give your thoughts on Southampton, Terry, but what rounding out that top half um, and even Spurs as well. What are you seeing from Spurs, uh, Sheffield United and Arsenal? Where do you think they'll end up? Same place or not?
1: Oh uh, well, let me hit on uh, Man U and Spurs real quick. I think that they're very similar teams. They've both been hit by a real injury crisis, I'd That's say. That's true. Yeah.
0: yeah Spurs lost
1: Harry Kane as I previously mentioned, and Man U, uh, McTominay's out, Rashford's out. All Pogba
0: will never return. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They and, did sign Bruno Fernandez this yeah. week, United, but I don't. You know, it, it'll. I hope he can make an immediate impact, which is iffy. But yeah, go we'll on. see because
1: that midfield is kind of stale. So he might liven it up a little bit. And for Wolves and Sheffield, I think Wolves. The key for them is Adama Traoré still keeping up his form. Uh, former Barcelona player. When he first hit the Premier League, I was like, oh, this is kind of a winger, no real end product from him. But he has changed the game. His, I guess those muscle his just
0: yeah, changed they, they genetically game. happen, Yeah, yeah. As, as He said he doesn't go to the gym. Yeah, um, so uh,
1: him. But I want to see how they're going to be able to balance the Premier League with the Europa League for for them being a team that. Has some squad depth, but that'll be interesting to see. And Sheffield, if they're able to keep up their expansive style of football, that's something.
0: That's a storyline that's interesting to talk about. Yeah, both. Uh, interesting about both teams. Wolves have been very healthy this year. Yeah, that is true. Jimenez, uh, and as well as the other uh, Hispanic uh, players in that club, are leading them, and they are staying healthy along with Triore and their other you know, the other players that are key for them. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think that it you know if they uh, can. Just stay healthy. That's a big deal. Same thing with Sheffield United. Um, I'd love to see a game between Wolves and Sheffield United because that just seems like really entertaining soccer. Because with Chris Wilder and then um, Nuno Espirito San, um, it's, it's Sanchez, I think. Or Santos, Santos. 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 Thank you. Um, that is going to be a really tactical masterpiece of a game. So going down to the bottom of the table, we're looking at teams in 11th like Crystal Palace, 12th Everton, 13th Burnley, and 14th Newcastle. Burnley have had a bit of a dive recently, and Everton yeah. are trying to get back on their feet. Crystal Palace seems like they're just stagnant, um, and Newcastle um, Newcastle are all right under Steve Bruce. It's just, I think the biggest thing for them is just staying away from the relegation battle. Um, I think all these teams kind of stay where they are, uh, but what do you think?
1: Oh, uh, well, as for Crystal Palace and Everton, I think these These teams are safe. Those are teams that probably could push into the top half. I think Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zaha. I think Wilfred Zaha is playing for a new contract, whether that's with Crystal Palace or a a different team, probably a different team. But I expect him to find his form and be the player that I think he is. And as for Everton, uh, Carlo Ancelotti, I feel like that he's instilled a new culture into Everton. There's just new life there from what I've seen over the past few matches. Uh, Their recent form, two draws, one win. That's pretty... Pretty fair for what Everton did in the beginning of the season. As for Burnley and Newcastle, though, I think the key for Newcastle is Miguel Almarone. He is a center-attacking midfield player for Newcastle, formerly an Atlanta United player. That's why I'm so familiar with him. Mm -hmm. And he's really found his form, scored a couple goals, got a couple assists. I think he's key for them to stay out of the relegation battle.
0: But for Burnley, Burnley, poor Burnley. We were talking about them at the top of the table, and they've just had a dive recently. And it's unlike Sean Dyche to have this um, this going on. They have won two of their last two. Before that, they lost three in a row. So it's kind of up and down there at Turf Moor. Yeah, for them, I just don't know where the goals
1: are going to come from. And you got to score goals if you want to stay up in the Premier League. So Burnley, I feel like Burnley are the team that will most likely drop of this group of teams that we talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Palace is a head-scratcher, but I think that's only because I don't really expect much from Palace to begin with. So, for me, I just don't know. I feel like the top half of this table, Terry, is pretty much set. Um, There might
1: be a little movement, I'd say. I mean, with things just being so close, I know... uh We'll just see. How, we'll just have to see how these new signings play out for their clubs.
0: Yeah, big, big. That'll be a big storyline. We'll definitely have to follow the signings because I think those can really change the trajectory of the season. So, we'll look at that. In my opinion, ten points, and then you said four points at another uh, another point. I yeah, mean from that's really to just fifth, yeah, really tight. Not much else I can say on this one except that I think that there will, if there is movement in the bottom half, it'll be very marginal. Um, I don't know, but anyways. We're going to go across the pond now and actually across a whole country to Los Angeles where Javier Hernandez, otherwise known as Chicharito, the little P, signed with LA Galaxy, who are no strangers to signing really top talent and big names. So now we have a new huge storyline in MLS, Terry. What are you expecting from Chicharito uh, when the season kicks off in March? Uh, first let me get to the impact of Chicharito um, I
1: think the Mexican influence in America is really big uh, Whenever the men's national team or women's national team Plays it plays against Mexico on home soil There are as many Mexican fans as American fans So I think signing arguably the greatest Mexican player of all time come, Coming to MLS is a big deal And not only that, it's a big deal as an that he signed with the Galaxy because LAFC has probably the second best Mexican player of all time in Carlos Vela, two of the greatest modern-day Mexican players of all time, and now they got a little rivalry going on in Los Angeles, and I feel like oh yeah, and exactly. I feel like the MLS is really in need of a good rivalry. I know they tried to start one with Atlanta United in Orlando, that's not happening. There's one with Portland and Seattle. And I think that, that one has, has
0: more more. Yeah, um,
1: it's more. It's, Stronger, but these are second-tier cities. This is not L.A. or New York that we're talking about. Exactly, that's a good
0: point. And even in New York, NYCFC and the Red Bulls do not have rivalry, no matter what you say. Uh, But, yeah, like I said, Mexico's all-time leading scorer is Chicharito. And he is putting himself up to score up to 20 goals this this year. I think he might reach that. It depends always on the piece around him. But what's your take? The Galaxy have a, a decent team. I mean, if Zlatan was able to get as many goals as
1: he could, I feel like Chicharito could do the same. I mean, I know well, comparing Chicharito to Zlatan, I think Zlatan was older, Chicharito is older, but I still think both of those guys are capable of playing in Europe if they wanted to. Well, Zlatan is in Europe, but if Chicharito wanted to be, he could. So I don't see why Chicharito couldn't score m- more than 20
0: goals. I feel like he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the problem with him is that his career after he left Manchester United was never the case um, where he was the top striker. Mm-hmm. To me, I think he's the top striker in that team right off the bat. I'm um, not saying he gets it automatically, but I think the big deal is can the Galaxy function in a system where he can get goals? We saw that they could do that with Zlatan, so just do it again with Chicharito, and I think you might get even more. I'll put you on the spot right here. Who scores more goals, Vela or Chicharito? Mm, that's Yuma, interesting. Vela, that's what is the
1: current and reigning MVP of
0: MLS? So, um, hmm. who scores more? Ah, uh, you know, I have to go with who's established at this point, and I think Carlos Vela, his terror is just unstoppable. You heard about him scoring every game, so no, we'll see. Chi- Chi- Chicharito, like I said, hasn't been the main striker for a while. Um, hasn't been in the spotlight for a while. In a long time. So I think it might take uh take him a little more time, but big deal with that. Um, El Trafico, the rivalry between LAFC and the Galaxy, uh, it'll be very exciting. Have some really big Mexican flair to it. LAFC's fans are awesome. The Galaxy's fans are good too. But that rivalry is so much more meaningful this year. One, because of those two. They were actually both teammates at Chivas Guadalajara in Mexico back in the day. Yeah. And the fact that also, it's interesting, not because of them, because LAFC has taken over Los Angeles as the town as as the team that is the best in the town. Last season LAFC finished first in the Western Conference. The Galaxy were 5th. Then LAFC beat the Galaxy in the conference semis 5 to 3. 5 to 3. That's a big big scoreline a good game. It's a good game. So, the question is where will both teams finish? Right now I say LAFC still has that leg up. But what do you think?
1: Um, in that Western Conference, I I probably would say that LAFC finishes first. I think I can't bet against Carlos Vela right now. Seeing the things that he did last season, winning the MVP, that left foot of his is real sweet. So I would probably put them first. But I think the Galaxy probably will do better. I think Zlatan last year was more of a isolated type player, just doing his own thing, not really incorporating other players in the team. I mm-hmm. feel like Chicharito is kind of a – Striker with his back to goal at times. Get players build up, good build up plays. He so. scored.
0: He, I think Tetrudo's striker scores a lot of different goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He has that in his locker. So I feel like you said that they finished fifth last year in the Western Conference. That uh,
0: probably third, maybe. Right yeah, right I think there. so. I They'll think, do better for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the last kind of question for us today is: How long is Tetrudo going to stay in LA? Well, I don't want to have him on Zlatan comparisons because he doesn't want that. Yeah. Not, not bagging on you, Terry. But he signed a three-year deal. Do you think he gets an extension at the end of that? Because he's getting he's getting up there. He's getting old. I feel like it's all up to him. As you just said, he is getting older. If
1: if he has a hunger for the game, he probably will. And it also depends on how well he does. That's, that's still up in the air. I would hope that he does well because if he does well, the MLS does well. But... It's up in the air. We'll see. Hope. I mean, I wish I could see him play for as long as he possibly can, but mm-hmm. it's all up to him.
0: Yeah, well, anyways, guys, El Trafico, May 16th and May 23rd. Mark your calendars. And Melissa's coming back soon. I'm excited. Yeah, gee, he's going to have to do a lot of watching this year for that. Um, everyone get your ESPN+.
1: And that's it for today's episode. As always,
0: follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch us next week. Jogo